What it do, what is good you guys? Welcome to the Team 411, a show dedicated to teens to discuss, prep, and learn about living a healthy future. If this is your second or better time with us, thank you for tuning in, and if you're new here, welcome. I am your host, Adrian Fox, better known as Zoom. Today I'm joined with two fellow artists, Young Noah and V Rose, respectively. Now, I like to start ladies first because I'm a gentleman, but please tell us a little bit about yourself. You guys flew in from Atlanta, is that where you guys are originally from? So yes, I am originally, uh, no, I'm not from Atlanta, but we did fly in from there, live right. there now. I am originally from Sacramento, California, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I do a lot of different things, but mostly I'm a singer-songwriter. I have been doing music professionally for 13 years now, traveling the world and sharing my story and sharing the good news of the gospel through my music and experiences, so... Yeah, I do R&B, pop, hip-hop, electronic. I have a very eclectic style. Um, I just all around love music. Mm. Yeah. I'm just happy to be here. I'm all about ministry. I'm all about um, music that uplifts people and doesn't tear down communities. Amen. Right. Um, and I'm all about partnering with people who kind of want to reach the world, not judge the world, mm. uh, who want to impact the world and not... I don't know, punish the world for being broken. You wow. know? Uh, I think the church needs to be more vulnerable mm -hmm. about how similar we are to the world. <laughs> you know, okay. it's some, it's some, it's some, you know, it's kind of like a humbling of the church. I think it's just time for us to do that. And I want to be one of those people or artists who comes across very like, bro, I'm struggling right there with you, man. This ain't about, Hey, I've, got all the right. answers that can fix everything it's like nah i'm still trying to figure it out too but this is what i have found that works that is real and that's just my faith in christ right what were some inspirations or maybe just reasons that took you down those different roads for your music yeah that's a great question actually i i think it was for me just the different times in my life like i worked with different management teams and producers and labels i have worked with actually three different labels over the past 15 years. So you're always going to have the influence of those people around mm. you saying, you should try pop music and we should do that. Or you should, you know, I signed with the hip hop label, the label that we actually met on, mm. which is Clearsight Music. And so being surrounded by hip hop, you get really inspired by it easy. Mm. Um, so I think my eclectic style just came from life like being surrounded by different cultures and being given different opportunities to tour and do big major Christian festivals. Then you want right. to kind of try to make songs that might fit in there. And if you listen to my music, my musical journey, you'll hear like me trying to find myself as a writer and as an artist yeah. and sort of adapting to the spaces that I was blessed to be able to be in. So I, I would say my roots are in gospel. Like I grew up listening to gospel music. And I actually thought that was the only genre there was. I was like, really, didn't know that there were other types of music for a long time. So when did you discover other music? Probably like around eight or nine, ten mm. is when I started to like notice there were other styles, or I got introduced to R and B music through like the radio and my older siblings, and mm. I was like, oh, okay, this is why I love gospel music because it's pulling from R and B music and it's worshiping God and. That's where I'm in my yeah. bag, as Steph says, from behind you, the camera. You so think elegantly. you're in your bag now? <laughs> right now? I definitely am in my bag right now. I've taken the past, I would say, couple years to really mm -hmm. refine my sound and just to, like, 
take a step back and be like, what do I want it to sound like? Because I had so many musical influences, the that was the challenge to not keep going forward and just doing everything I know I can do. I took a step back to make a lot of music just in right. my studio by myself and to kind of find out what is this sound that is me, that is just native to my voice that I'm going to feel most at home with. Mm-hmm. It's not just like R&B, like rhythm and blues. But the thing I love about rhythm and blues is that you, it's it's about your story. And it's about telling that story. And so for me, that's I'm a storyteller at heart. Right. I love story. I love a good story. I love a song that takes you on a journey. I love an album that takes you on a journey. And so that's the type of music that I try to write. And I have a big story. I've been through a lot of things. I I'm glad you bring up storytelling because, Noah, you, with your raps, you have a very good way of storytelling. Oh, man. Um, I like I like a lot of your songs that I listen to. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> honestly, oh. like um, one of my lines I have here, you were talking about how black and blue used to make you nervous before you found your purpose mm. and like... Um, you know, search the Ooh. whip if you wish. You won't find nothing but gleam. I love someone who knows the lyrics. Um, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Yeah. It's it really I don't know, it just stuck wow. with me because the wow, way wow, wow. the way your wordplay with it really. I just remember before I got saved, I remember hiding cocaine and weed in the car and riding dirty with guns. But you meant you mentioned that. that in the song too. So you know you get you get used to being scared to get pulled over. You know, we've right. gotten pulled over before and had to confess to having stuff in the car. We've gotten pulled over and hid it. You know, we've gotten pulled over and had to hide it. And um, I just, now when I get pulled over, it's like, what's up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, I'm, I'm you don't even... I got insurance, my tag right. legit, the car is mine, it ain't stolen. We're not selling nothing. I'm not up to no good. My car smell good. I'm not worried about nothing. Right. You know, it's uh, I don't know, man. That's a that's. I'm really. It's almost like some people pretend to be from the hood, and then some people are from the hood and don't want to be from there. Yeah. Right. And some people have trauma. Like I have trauma yeah. from police, man. Like. And that's I'm, real. It's real. It's that's not like real. I'm trying to, like, this is real. Like, I used to get pulled over and it, traumatic things have happened. You know what I'm saying? And you watch your freedom get snatched. I've seen cops lie to me and, and I get locked up. I've seen all kind of stuff happen, you know? So it's like a, a protection I have from God now where I don't care what this officer on. Right. I'm protected by God. Mm-hmm. So when he, so I'm not even finna come at him with no attitude. I'm not even. Right. If I'm seeing he having a bad day, I'm like, search the whip if you wish. Like you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, bro, pat me down. You don't know like, how I came up on you this. You know, money you don't things. know. Like you looking at me in the whip. You like how you get this car? How you? I'm like, yeah. You can ask me whatever questions you want. I love to tell you. You know. So, <laughs> I love to testify. I love to tell you awesome. my story. Right. I'll tell you whatever I you want. To be without being a criminal. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Would you say that's the two sides? Nah, my two sides are I'm still a fan of my vices, you know? It's like my prayers have become more real with God. You know, I used to, you know, you'll fall into some temptation or make some mistake and then you mope around all day the next day and feel like you owe God this penance 
or this. I really didn't mean to do that. But when you start being real with God, you're like, man, I just, you know, I know that's bad for me, but I enjoy it. The same way some, some people enjoy ice cream, you know, right. some people, I mean, not to make it light, yeah. but there's stuff that we enjoy that is bad for us and we can't stop. And until we go to God, honestly, like, man, God, I kind of crave this, some of these things that I know aren't helping me. You know, and, and it's like I have that weakness. Yeah, it's like yeah. I'm going to God honestly. Like, Lord, I still kind of enjoy this thing over here. I still kind of dabble with that. You know, I'm still struggling to let certain things go. And these are the two sides of being a Christian. Even though I'm pursuing righteousness, even though I'm doing good works and good deeds, deep down inside, there's a part of me that still that knows. It's like this flesh is still there. So I'm warring against it. But I'm giving it respect. Like, I know that's still in me. That's why when I look at other people and I see them struggling outwardly, I know even though I'm not engaged in stuff, I know that stuff is still, um, I'm still depending on God every single day. I don't fall into craziness. Yeah. Like, I'm not really very confident in my flesh. You know, I'm, I'm less... I used to be one of those guys that had my accolades. I haven't done this in this long. I haven't been here in this long. I've been abstaining from this for this long. I used to be one of those guys that had my track record, had all my do's and don'ts, had all those things that I thought made me close to God. And then you start to get older or you start to drop the ball here and there. You have these moments, you go through situations, and you learn, like, my salvation is built up in what somebody else did. That's so good. And this other person took the blame for my mistakes and the shame of them. Jesus did not just die for my sin. He died for how my sin makes me feel. He died for the emotion that my struggles bring over me when I see my flaws. Because that kind of mindset is almost taught like if you grow up in church. Yeah, it's a shame culture. It's a well, you think you're learning humility, and I think, of course, there's good aspects in learning about humility, but I think sometimes we can, you know, like kids, you want to make your parents proud. It's something that every child, most children feel, and so you will take on a responsibility sometimes that you that's not even yours to take on, just trying right. to impress them. And so being the person that's like, I'll let everybody else go first, or, you know, and then like pushing everybody else ahead of yourself and then you're not thinking about your you think that uh humility is saying that i'm not worthy mm-hmm. but you're worthy just as much as any other person as if if, if you if you were the only person in the world jesus would have died for you if you were the only person in the world jesus would have died for you mm-hmm. if you were the only one and you have to think about your relationship with god like that You know, I think one of the reasons that a lot of times we don't understand sonship is because some of us didn't grow up with a father that demonstrated what that's supposed to look like, that father-son relationship. You know, this relationship between our creator, who is our father, and us, the children who are out here trying to figure it out and get it out the mud. And I think we process God through our own lens, through, so however I viewed my father most of the times that's how we're going to view God. 
And that's probably one of the first places we have to look at um, when we look at our relationship with God is like, am I looking at you wrong? And I'm thinking that you're fathering me wrong, God. Don't you see I'm out here struggling? Don't you see I need you? Don't you see, you know, sometimes you can get into that kind of emotional state of mind and heart posture towards God. You're like, I'm, I'm literally drowning out here. I have nobody. I have nothing. You can get like that. And almost like throwing your fist up to God, not realizing that you're not your perspective about him is off. God is already providing for you. If you look back over your life over the past 10 years, you can see how God has sustained you to be where you are now. You're living, moving and breathing. You know what I mean? You're, you've survived. You've eaten. You've rested. You you know what I mean? God has taken care of you. Um, but like we don't realize like all of that stuff is what a good father does. He'll clothe you and feed you. And, um, even emotionally, like, I love how you talked about how he cares about your emotions. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus suffered so many emotional things, like not having his friends, even his disciples who were his brothers, his friends Mm -hmm. there when he was crucified. Like there's so many emotional attacks and things that he faced for us. Um, he was tempted in every way. The Bible says we don't have a high priest, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Like he knows he cares that much that he came and said, look, I'm going to experience all this stuff so that when you pray to me, like when you, you know, you have a father that knows what it's like down there, you know? And I, even me, I had to start thinking about God in that way. Like stop always praying for provision. The Bible says he knows what we ask before we ask. A good father knows it's like anybody who has children. I don't have children, but I can I've been a child and I can imagine like when they wake up in the morning, they're not like, please, like, are you going to feed me today? You know, it's like a you a good father's going to feed his children. That's like right. a given. You know what I mean? But there's also other things that a good father gives to his children, which is inheritance, you know, and, and the Bible says that we're co-heirs with Christ, meaning that when he rose, he was adopted into the family, the bloodline, the seed of Abraham, and we are co-heirs through his resurrection, through his dying, through his restoring, um, the ripping the veil and restoring the personal relationship. Now we can come to God as we are unclean, but accepting the one who's clean, accepting the one who's perfect. God looks at him when he sees us and then we can have that one-on-one relationship with him and inherit everything that he has given to his children, which is the kingdom of God, and all of the promises in it, and all of the, not just provision. We got to get past provision. Like God's providing for us. He knows what you need. I mean, literally now when I pray, I'm like, okay, God, I know you're going to bring these things because I need them. So I'm just praying them out because that's our relationship. I love you like that. I'm intimate with you like that, where I share the most vulnerable parts of my heart or the things that worry me. I boast in my weakness. I talk, I don't hide my weaknesses from God like you can't see my heart. You know, I talk very openly about what I'm really dealing with and, and give it over. But I also expect, because I am in relationship with God, I expect his love. All right. So between the both of you, you mentioned, you know, over 10 years in the industry and stuff like that. There's a lot of longevity. So what are some challenges you guys have faced with how music has evolved over the last decade? Like just the music itself, like sonically, how music has changed? Well, like you've been stepping into different 
um, like categories. So as music's been changing, you've kind of been changing too as an artist. Oh, you right? have to. You have to. I, in my opinion, you have to learn to adapt if you want to have longevity. You know, they say like longevity is just like five years. If you can just make it past five years as an artist, being consistent, putting out music and can, keeping the faith almost. Um, but I think adapting is just a must, especially because how fast music changes these days. Um, every time there's a new generation of 10 year olds, you know, right. they're influencing what they are gravitating towards, what they want is influencing like how music is sounding and then they start making music. And so, yeah, I think being able to adapt, um, listening to a lot of music and also just continuing to make music yourself, like it can be really easy to like make an album and then tour it for like a few years and not make music or like take too long of a break. And right. so that's something that can hurt you. But yeah, for me, I think it was just, if I'm not making albums, I'm still doing features. I'm still, I still have an ear to the ground in the industry that I'm working in. I'm still listening in the industry I'm working in to hear even how production has changed because it's not just the way we're writing songs that's changed. It's the way that, music has changed in general the production the way that it songs are put together so I, I would say studying to be able to adapt is huge skill um and if you want to have longevity we're talking 10 plus years that's just a that's just a must you have to keep making music even if you're not putting it out just keep make keep sharpening your skills you know rapping like i used to always say i'm not a rapper for years like yeah. you, you can find interviews I listened to that one song you guys had together and you were rapping on it. Yeah. And, and it's I, like, after hearing all your other stuff, I was like, whoa, like, she's really on your spin here. That's okay. so cool. It took me years to find the confidence to stand behind that. I always used to say I'm not a rapper, and I still say I'm not a rapper, but I rap. And what helped me really find more of my originality is I started saying, whatever comes naturally to me, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to, like trust myself that I can do it instead of being like do I sound good doing this do I sound like turning to everybody else like to see if it's accepted if I accept it if I accept myself and I look myself in the mirror and I'm like you're not being someone else you're not being fake you like how you sound you think this is cool and this is the best that you can do then stand behind that and be like let's run with it Noah do you see yourself stepping into singing um I definitely like oh, I love uh, this question <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, I would say it is something that will happen if I would just try, you know? He can uh, sing. I used to do more singing back in the day <laughs> when I was younger. I love his voice, actually. But um, I got to let the music take me there more often, I think, and just explore that for sure. <laughs> So I've just been on this whole, let's stop judging people as Christians. Um, I used to be one of those can't do this, can't do that type people. Um, and over the years, God has just shown me how to look at, stop looking at the result of sin and look at sin as it is. Like for me to sit here and point out everything that's wrong with you and try to make you feel bad about it. It's like me going to a person that has COVID and point out their <clears throat> symptoms and say, you're coughing, you're sweating, wow. you got a fever, you need to stop sweating, you need to stop having these headaches, you need to quit 
waking up in these cold sweats. God isn't pleased with that. But I never come and tell you, oh, you have COVID. And here's the treatment for COVID. Or do you need something to drink? Do you like loving people, I think. Something it's, I always say is we tell people Jesus loves you instead of I love you. Because what we really should be doing is letting people experience him through us. It's just our job to love people where they're at. Show them God's real character that he loves them, like unconditionally. Unconditionally doesn't mean if, but, and when this, you know what I mean? It means without condition, God loves them. And so if we would take more of that approach, less people would feel... Um, the weight of their shame or illegitimate shame. Yeah, it's a. It's not a safe. It's not a safe place. You know, basically, the church is not safe to come in and say what you're really dealing with because of shame culture. Because in a church, if you come and say you've made certain mistakes, everybody's gonna look at you a certain way. Like your commitment to God isn't where they thought it was, mm-hmm. or or you're not. You're not one of us. You're not part of the in crowd. It so people click, will yeah. people will see your flaw or your mistake, shame you, and then frame you as a certain type of person. You know. So my whole thing has been deprogramming myself to judging people. If a person walks in, they got tattoos or gold teeth, or if a girl walks in, she got on a short skirt or dressed a certain way or talking right. with a certain accent or a certain slang, or you know, I have to stop thinking I know a person's heart or what they're really about based off how they look or what they did. You know, it starts here. And as much as I want to act like, oh, these church people are so judgy. I know I am. Right. I know it's in me because it was taught. It was it was ingrained in me to judge and think it's my job to see who the true Christians are. Yeah. You know, like, nah, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm deprogramming myself to really try to think how Jesus did. You know, yeah. like who are who are we who trying are, to reach? Who's going to take them in if we if we don't? Who? What is the level of people of righteousness? Righteous people we're looking for. Then you know what I mean. If there's questions to be that a we part of our club to be a part of our club, <laughs> like we need, we have to look at that and really ask Who's ourselves crazy? that. Um, because what what this we're creating is this club that by grace we got into. This club that by sure grace we got into. By grace we think that we got into. <laughs> but you have to meet the requirements before you can come in here, and that's kind of how that's how people feel. And of course, we're not generalizing and saying that everybody. Not like every Christian. Yeah. Not every we're Christian. Talk, but like we are that. talking about the toxicity in the Western church. Yeah. Yeah. That we've experienced firsthand growing up in church individually. So the question is, are you guys a couple? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yes, old definitely. news. That's old, man. We've that been dating for news. a super long time. Um, she just moved to Atlanta. Uh, we right. did the long distance thing for a while. Forever. So this is our Seems first. like you're happy is not long distance. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I do not recommend so it. In fact, if it was anybody else, I would, I would have never, it would never have worked. Yeah. But I just... So we saw each other a lot, you know, at events and stuff. But um, now we're local in the city, and it's just been cool to get to know each other in that way. But it was a great interview. Thank you guys for coming on the show. we enjoyed it. This has been Adrian Fox at Team 411. Young Noah, V-Rose. We're out. Peace. Peace.